Let's take our Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter number 30. Proverbs chapter number 30. We only have this chapter and one more in our series, Foolproofing Your Life. How many have enjoyed this message series? I certainly have. It's been great and have enjoyed preaching. We've enjoyed hearing others preach. And uh, Brother Lorenzo brought a great message last Wednesday night. I appreciate that. And uh, he is such an encouragement to me. Uh, Brother Lorenzo, they, he works uh, in Turlock or, or Sacramento? He works in Sacramento, drives back and forth to church, and does all this crazy stuff to be in church. It's just such a blessing, and I appreciate our church. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for your church family? And uh, I tell you, the church is such a wonderful thing to have in life, and it's just a beautiful thing. All right, Proverbs chapter 30, look at verse 24. Proverbs 30, verse 24. And boy, there's a lot of preaching in this passage, a lot of things we could cover, but uh, we're going to stick with just a few verses here. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24. The Bible says, there be four things which are what? Little upon the earth. I don't know why, but I just thought of Mrs. Perry right there. <laughs> but they are exceeding wise. Amen. She's wise too. Amen. Verse 25. The ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in summer. The conies are but what? Feeble folk, yet make their houses in the rocks. The locusts have no king, but they go forth, all of them, by bands. And the spider taketh hold with her hands and is in the king's palaces. Father, I pray that you bless the message tonight. Help us to learn something from this passage. Help us, Lord, to find wisdom in these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Proverbs chapter number 30 is perhaps one of the most interesting Proverbs, both in composition, but also in authorship. We see here in verse 1, it says, The words of Agur, the son of Jacob, even the prophecy, the man spake unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and Eucal. We see here that Proverbs chapter number 30 is a collection of wisdom from a man known only to this one chapter of the Bible. Some people think uh, and say that uh, Agur is another name for Solomon, although there's no uh, proof, contextual proof of that. But, uh, but most people believe, and I believe, that Agur is a, another wise man, not just Solomon, but another wise man, Agur. When the men of Hezekiah gathered additional material for Proverbs, this is in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 1, they added these words of Agur and have no other mention of this man. There's no other mention of him in all of Scripture. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 1 says, these, also, these are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. And so at some point, the men of Hezekiah took uh, all the Proverbs together and compiled them. So knowing that Agur wrote this chapter, it tells us a couple things. First, it tells us that Solomon wasn't the only wise man in his day. We know that Solomon was a very wise person, and he definitely, uh, we know that he was the wisest person, the Bible says, but he wasn't the only person with wisdom. And so we know that Agur had wisdom as well. Take your Bibles and go to 1 Kings chapter 4. 1 Kings chapter number 4. You can hold your place in Proverbs if you like, but go to 1 Kings chapter number 4. And tonight we're going to learn a little bit about Proverbs 30 and understanding how Proverbs 30 was composed and why it was composed. <clears throat> and then we're going to go into this four little things. So 1 Kings chapter number 4, look with me at verse 30. 
And uh, let me get there real quick. I'm falling behind you here. First Kings chapter number four. And actually, I think I'm going to start in verse 29. Uh, let's see here. First Kings chapter four, verse 29. Yes. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largest of heart, even as the sand was on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the East country and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, notice this, than Ethan, the, Ath- the Ezraite, and He-Man. Did you know He-Man was in the Bible? There you go. And Chalcol and Darda and the sons of Mahal. So these are other people <coughs> that were known, obviously, for their wisdom. There were other people round about, the nations round about. Verse 32, and he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were five uh, were, were a thousand and five. And he spake of trees and cedars of Lebanon, even in the hyssop that springeth out of the wall. He spake also of beasts and fowl and creeping thing and fishes. <clears throat> and there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon for all kings of earth, which had heard of his wisdom. So we know that, that Solomon was exceedingly wise. He had wisdom from God, but he wasn't the only one. We also see number two here that uh, because he wrote this chapter, Agur, we know that There's nothing definite about him as a writer. And by the way, it's vain to speculate about things that God doesn't make clear in the Bible. It's a waste of time. It's okay to speculate, you know, some things, I understand that. But to sit around and to argue about things that the Bible's not clear about is a waste of time. And Paul the Apostle talks about that. And so uh, we got to be careful about that. And, and I think, you know, there were some times where people love getting into metaphors and spiritual metaphors and all these things. And, I, you know, if that helps you and it's, and, it's, and it's fun for you and it's a hobby or something like that, that's fine. But, but listen, there's a lot of things that God did tell us to do that we're not doing. Amen. And so let's be careful about getting uh, off on all these things. And so uh, we understand that God is silent on who this man is. And so it's a pretty good philosophy to approach the Bible that way. It is much better to give our full attention to the teaching in Proverbs 30 to indulge in unprofitable speculation about the writer. Number three, we know that Agur's words are inspired by God. And all God's people said, how do we know that? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. But we also see here in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, where Agur says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Add thou not to his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. We see that Agur was pretty wise in this area of adding to and taking away from God's word. We understand that because his, because Proverbs 30 is in the Bible, it was inspired by God. Proverbs chapter number two, verse six, for the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Agur understood this. When you read the whole chapter of Proverbs 30, Agur says, I'm a brutish man. I am... I don't know very much, and he's giving glory to God for giving him the wisdom that he has. And by the way, isn't that where we all are tonight? I mean, some of you are very wise and just gleaning from you, but really our wisdom comes from the Lord, and the best wisdom comes from him. And so he understood this. Fourthly, the wisdom of Agur in Proverbs 30 is filled with observations of life in the natural world. Agur is one inviting us to look at our world with an eye of a man of faith, uh, and so he looks at this, he looks at the world uh, uh, through this eyes, through, through these eyes. And sometimes uh, we don't always look at uh, uh, nature uh, the way that God wants us to look at nature and, and think about how, uh, how intelligent God is and how amazing 
God is and what he's created. And Agur's done a little bit of that for us. And so as we study this, as I study this chapter, I, there was a lot of different things I wanted to preach, but uh, verses 24 through 28 were really what inspired me to preach tonight. And the title of the message is Four Little Things That Have Big Wisdom. Four Little Things That Have Big Wisdom. And what inspires me about this is, I, I don't know about you, but I struggle with wisdom sometimes. And, and, and there's f- these four things have their own struggles and their own uh, deficiencies, if you will. And yet they were able to overcome those deficiencies and find wisdom. And in our life, we all have deficiencies. Amen? Blind spots, uh, uh, a lack of experience. Uh, and, and so the Lord can help us with wisdom in these areas. And so these verses are about four things which are little on the earth. Nagar looked into the world of animals and noted four small things, but had exceeding wisdom. By the way, he recognized that no human trained them in their wisdom. No human did this. Uh, They are truly taught and programmed by God, a very God. And may I just say that as we look at nature and we discover what nature really is, and as you get into what nature really is, you can see how it's absolutely dependent upon a holy God and a designer. How many understand what I'm talking about tonight? I could talk about that a lot. I, my family and I, my kids especially, they're very passionate about uh, memorizing things and, and, and recognizing how incredible nature is. And the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And as we look into nature, nature, uh, we know that the world teaches evolution. We know that public schools and universities teach evolution. We know that that's a, that's a, very, uh, uh, a very taught and a very uh, widespread philosophy of our day is evolution. But as you study evolution and as you look deeper into it, don't just look at me like I have four eyes and I, like a cow at a new gate. Study, study evolution and creationism for yourself. There is much more evidence that the earth was created than that it was than it came from you know evolutionary processes. It makes much more sense. It takes much more faith to believe in evolution than it does in creationism. Uh, evolutionism is beyond the comprehension of man. And if you go back and you read the origins of species and the things that Charles Darwin wrote, he admits to a lot of that stuff. But a lot of that has disappeared out of our textbooks over the years. And so it's amazing as we look at nature. Take your Bibles and go to Job chapter number 12. Job chapter number 12. Many people don't realize because of its location in the Bible, but Job was, is the oldest book in the Old Testament. It's one of the oldest books. Job chapter number 12, look at verse 7. But ask now the beasts, and they shall teach thee. And the fowls of the air, and they shall teach thee. Or speak to the earth, and it shall teach thee. And the fishes of the sea shall declare unto thee, who knoweth not all these that the hand of the Lord hath wrought this. Who can look at nature and understand what what nature is and not recognize that the Lord hath wrought this? In whose hand is the soul of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Doth not the ear try words and the mouth taste his meat? With the ancient is wisdom and in length of days understanding. With him is wisdom and strength and he hath a counsel and understanding. We know that these animals are wise in this chapter, these small animals. This teaches us that size doesn't determine wisdom. 
There are big fools. There are aged fools. There are rich fools. There are powerful fools. And there are those that are small and frail with exceeding wisdom. Agar listed these four examples. While each teach a principle of wisdom, one Bible commentator put it this way. Agar uniquely uses, quote, wise for animals to denote their skill, to cope, uh, to cope and their masterful cunning to survive in spite of their severe limitations that expose them to threats and endanger their very existence. And how many of us this morning, or excuse me, this evening, recognize, you know, some of us don't even know what time of day it is. Uh, how many of us recognize this evening that we are severely limited in our ways? And we are constantly exposed to threats that endanger us. And so quickly tonight, let's look at these four little things, these little creatures that have big wisdom. Number one, let's talk about the ant. The ant. I mean, we get those little ants in your house. You know what I'm talking about? Ants. Ants are small. They do not have much strength if you think about them and their size and those things. We'll talk about they actually have great strength, but their wisdom is shown by how they prepare their food in summer. Verse 25, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in summer. They work in a time when work can be done, and they aren't lazy or procrastinators. Some of us say, I'm not a procrastinator. I just know I'm going to do it at the last minute. Amen. Hard work can overcome individual weakness. Let me say that again. Hard work can overcome individual weakness. And may I just say there is something to hard work. And all God's people said hard work. We ought to be hard workers. My dad taught me that if you're a man, you should not be sitting around during the day. My dad taught me that. I want to teach my kids that. Men ought to be hard workers. Only about three of you said amen on that. I understand some of you sit to work. I understand. I understand that. You're on the computer a lot. I'm on the computer a lot. But men ought to be hard workers, and ladies ought to be hard work. We ought to work hard. We ought to work hard. Hard work can overcome individual weakness. One preacher put it this way. A quickening sermon do these little insects preach to us as they prepare for the coming winter. What must be these thoughtlessness of men who make no provision for coming eternity, for coming eternity. Eternity is coming. Little did Agar know that these ants are amazing scientifically. We know a lot more about ants now than we ever have. And uh, number one, I'll just give you some facts here. There are over 12,000 species of ants. The bullet ant is said to have the most painful sting in the world. Uh, it's supposed to feel like a bullet, I guess. Anybody here been shot and been bit by an ant? We, uh, we don't know. So number three, fire ants. Listen to this. Fire ants cause over $5 billion worth of damage every year. North America's red imported fire ant might be little, but these tiny creatures have a painful bite, which causes a burning sensation and cause millions and millions of do- dollars in veterinary and human medical bills every year. And they also damage crops. Number four, ants are the, some of the longest living insects. Did you know that the, the, this type of ant, I can't pronounce its name, he can live up to 30 years, an, an insect. That's an old ant, amen? <laughs> Number five, the ant is one of the world's strongest creatures. Did you know that there are, species, there are particular types of ants that can carry over 100 times their weight? 
That means that that would be like me being able to lift, if I was a little bit heavier than I am now, I'd be able to lift about 20,000 pounds or five cars at the same time. Ants cold. I know I can lift about one or two cars, but five is just a little bit too much. <laughs> Ants hold the record for the fastest movement in the animal kingdom. Aptly named for the species, the trap jaw ant, it can close its jaws at 140 miles an hour. Ants can be found on every single continent, of course, except for Antarctica. <laughs> oh, boy. Number eight, ants are social insects. They live in colonies. Colonies are called formiseries. They make up uh, where they lay eggs and there's queens and so on and so forth. Some of the largest colonies in the world have over 100,000 ants. The largest ant nest ever found, Brother Asprelli, was 3,700 miles wide. It was found in Argentina in year 2000. It was 33 individual ant populations that merged into one, what they call a super colony. And with millions and millions of nests of ants, you don't want to step in that. Amen? That's incredible. Agar was correct. These are little guys, but they are wise. They are wise. And where is the wisdom? The wisdom is simple. They prepare their meat in the summer for winter. They make preparations. They prepare now for what they will need later. Isn't that completely against our culture? We take now what we want that we can't afford. We want now what we, you know, we're not ready for and so on and so forth. And so the ant prepares now for what's later. They gather when things are good for when things get hard. <laughs> they gather for when things are good for when things get hard. How many recognize sometimes life is good and sometimes life is hard? And so this is the wisdom of the ant. They gather uh, food. They gather. Uh, they save. They save. They don't borrow against tomorrow. Well, there's wisdom in there. Amen. All right. So we see the ant. Then let's talk about the coney. Y'all ready for the coney? Verse 26. Let's read it together. The conies are but a what? Feeble folk. Let's read the next phrase. Ready to begin. Yet they make their houses in the rocks. Let's read that, read that whole, whole verse together. Ready to begin. The conies are but feeble folk, yet make their houses. What's a coney? A coney's not that thing you get at the fair, amen? No, we're not talking about a deep fried treat. We're talking about this thing. It's, it, if you look it up, you can study it. They have them in the Middle East. It's called a, rocks, a, a rock hyrax or a cape hyrax, also called a rock rabbit. In the King James Bible, it's called the coney. It's a medium-sized mammal native to Africa and the Middle East. It's one of the five living species of the Hyracogia uh, uh, order here. They weigh between 9 and 11 pounds, have, a sh have short ears and a tail. If we, do we have a picture of this thing? And there you go. Look at, aw, that cute? Looks like it's staring right in your soul. <laughs> Take me home. Uh, it's between 9 and 11 pounds. They, they're not very formidable, and they don't run very fast. They don't have big teeth or anything like that. Uh, they're found, but listen to this. These, this little rock, no, leave that up there. That's really good. That, there you go. And uh, the rock Tyrex is found in elevations, listen to this, up to almost 14,000 feet. That's where they live. In habitations where the rocks and crevices allow them to escape from predators. These rocks, rock hyraxes build dwelling holes in any type of rock with suitable cavities, such as sedimentary rock and soil. These conies or rock rabbits don't have enough speed or strength to stand against the mountain lion or larger predators, especially ones with sharp teeth. 
but they wisely make their homes in the crags and make the strength of the rock their own strength. Now, how many of you know where I'm going with this? Can we see the wisdom in making the, our refuge in something that is stronger than I? Oh, can we find the wisdom right here as we think about our rock, Jesus Christ? And we think to it in ourselves that there's a lot of things in us we don't have the strength for. And I don't know about you, but I've been through some things in my life, and many in this room have been through some things or watching online have been through some things in their life that they could not handle on their own. It was, it was higher than them. It was stronger than them. But they had a rock to hide them. They had a rock to run to. And they weren't relying on their own strength. They weren't relying on their own strength. Come on now, are you listening tonight? They weren't relying on their own abilities to get them through that time, to get them through that struggle. No, it's not about my abilities. It's about the rock in my life. I love that song. Brother Renison, you know the song. A wonderful Savior, Jesus my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. John Trapp said it this way. It shall be our wisdom to work ourselves into the rock of Jesus Christ, where we shall be safe from the hellish hunters of the world. Thirdly, we see the locust, the locust, the locust, verse 27, have no king, yet go they forth, all of them by bands. How many of you have ever left your children alone? How many of you have ever left your children with their siblings alone? And it's bad. <laughs> it's just bad. Today, my wife and I were outside doing a couple things and we left Callum and Gavin by themselves, just five minutes, five minutes. And we're standing out there, brother, and not, not, not three minutes, not two minutes, we hear, ah, ah, I was just screaming. And I run up and I open the door and said, what's going on? And Callum goes, nothing. <laughs> in, and of, in, in and of ourselves, naturally, we don't do well without leadership. <laughs> That's just the truth. But locusts don't seem to have any kind of appointed leadership or structure. Yet they have the wisdom to advance in ranks, overwhelming anything that's in their path. If a locust fought against themselves, they get nowhere. This past year, we saw a very uh, intense illustration of locusts around the world. In 2020, ravenous locust swarm clouds, more than three times the size of New York City, descended upon Kenya. And they battled this infestation. It was the worst infestation in 70 plus years. In this region, in some regions, and especially in Ethiopia, these swarms forced more than 15,000 people to evacuate their homes. The swarms were so thick. We know that as the alerts were issued in South America in late June of this year, of last year rather, there was a nine mile square swarm heading towards South America. Nine miles squared. It entered into Argentina, into Paraguay, and then into Uruguay. These swarms continued to form in Yemen, breeding, and they prevailed into August and extended even into the Red Sea. They spanned across the Red Sea. This massive swarm that hit Kenya last year measured uh, at, at its largest. Listen to this. At its largest, it was over 930 miles squared. 
It made up, they say, estimations of 200 billion locusts. These pests consume literally uh, nearly 400,000 tons of food every 24 hours. So in 24 hours, this is all from, uh, I think, I remember the website, but it's all from this, uh, these, uh, this, these scientific websites. In 24 hours, they, this swarm could eat to an equivalence of what 84 million people could eat in one day. Obviously, locusts can become a plague, but there's wisdom to be found here. What is the wisdom to be learned? And the wisdom is simple. Teamwork wins the day. Amen? Teamwork wins the day. And when it comes to teamwork, there's a lot of areas in our life that we need to work as a team. I think about the fit ministry. You guys need to work as a team. Say amen, guys. Amen. Amen. (laughs) You guys got to work as a team. Marriages have to work as a team. What did Jesus say? A house, what? Divided against it. How can it stand? A church must work as a team. Amen. A staff has to work as a team. A family has to work as a team. Teamwork is a biblical principle, and teamwork wins the day. There's a lot of wisdom there. I don't want to, I don't want to hang out with those guys. You know what? Uh, 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 maybe a little bit of humility. Amen. My dad used to say, take a chill pill. Is that still applicable today? Probably not. But a little bit of humility and a little bit of unity. I mean, teamwork wins the day. How often do we read about unity in the Bible and and we understand that it's important. I think about our church, and I'll move on, but I think about our church and how I believe how unified we are right now and, and what amazing things a church like this can accomplish if it stays unified. Let me give you the last one. Let's talk about the spider, and I'll be done. The spider. Oh, the spider. Verse 28. The spider, ta- I don't know all the people that hate spiders, like, please don't show the picture, please. Verse 28. The spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. The spider is in love. Can we show that picture? Close your eyes if you don't like spiders. Show that picture. Oh, isn't he pretty? And uh, he looks like he just woke up or something. Huh? The spider isn't loved, but it wisely uses its skill and unique abilities to go anywhere it wants to, even in king's palaces. This reminds me of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. Here's the wisdom behind the spider. You may not be pretty. You may not be the most talented. You may not have be the most popular, the most like, or have the most accolades or whatever. But if you use what God gave you, and you be diligent in the skills and the talents and the unique characteristics that God gave you, and you would just develop those things that God gave you, God can do incredible things through your life. You can do credible things. One person said it this way. If we take it for the spider, she doth her work painfully and curiously, spins a finer thread than any woman can do, builds a finer house than any man can do, in a matter and form like a tent of an emperor. The base creature may teach us this wisdom, saith one, not to the bunglers and slubberers of our works, but to the exact, the exact in our trades and labor so excel therein that our doings may be commendable and admirable. In other words, using our gifts and our unique skills, and God can use those things in our life. I think about Brother Moises, who can trim trees, and I think about 
uh, different of you men here, Brother Engel can do electro- electrical stuff, and Brother Renison is good with uh, real estate things, and, and everybody in this room has things that God has blessed you with. Amen? God has blessed you with. You say, well, I don't know what God has blessed me with. Well, that's something that you want to discover in your life. What can God use me to do? And God has given us unique things in, about us, and, and listen, God can leverage those things in your life to spread the gospel, to spread the gospel. You might be able to witness to somebody that a pastor like me could never talk to. You might be able to connect with somebody on a level that a staff guy or a deacon or a missionary could never connect with. And so tonight, we see the wisdom in the small and in the feeble. We see the wisdom in in in, in in the tiny and in the ugly. We see wisdom in the ant as she prepares in the summer for the winter. May we learn to prepare and not borrow against tomorrow. We see wisdom in the coney as she finds refuge in a strong place. And may we seek refuge tonight in Christ. We see the, uh, the locust, how it unites. Teamwork wins the, day, wins the day. May we unite as a church, unite in our marriages and in our families. We see the spider who leverages its skills. We too can leverage our skills for the gospel's sake. So for us, let us remember The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and wisdom is the principal thing. Four little things with big wisdom. Let's pray.